0: All right, we are live here at Dominion Church. Thank you so much for joining us. Those of you joining us on Facebook, uh, you might be joining us on YouTube. You might be joining us on the Dominion Church podcast experience. We are glad that you are joining us. I want you to do me a favor go ahead and like this video, share it, subscribe to the podcast. That helps us get the word out more and more. And then there are ways that you can support what we do as a ministry for the podcast. You can support that monthly. Uh, You can also go to dominionchurch.net slash give, and you can be a part, an active part of what we're doing here. Uh, No matter where you are around the world so it is a privilege to share uh, our hearts with you today and i'm excited you know the last two weeks uh, i have not been able to be here in the corporate environment Uh, so again as you guys have heard me say multiple times there's no substitute Uh, it's one thing to talk to a lens or to talk to a microphone it's another thing to be in the place you know scripture says the place of commanded blessing we find that in psalm place of commanded blessing where brothers dwell together in unity you know and i know in this environment there's a lot of there's a lot of church family that when they hear that it, it's it, it doesn't bring them joy because they very much feel separated they feel disconnected and so i, I want to make sure that i clarify that that doesn't mean to have unity that you always have to be in the same geographical location uh, the, but there is indeed it's talking about the unity of spirit right and so we have to in this climate we have to be intentional about connection more than ever before right uh and for those that are, already have a propensity towards alienation this is a dangerous environment because it's conducive for that and so i just want to encourage you do what you must do to be intentional right keep keep the stream flowing keep the feast fresh Um, and again the beauty of technology there there are so many tables you can feast from right now there should never be a reason where we're feeling dry or feeling malnourished in the kingdom of god and if you need resources beyond dominion to help you to feed you i've got plenty that i could recommend because i eat from a lot of different tables throughout the week amen Uh, so there's no excuse Go ahead, lean in, be intentional about connection, uh, and you're going to be blessed in the middle of what we're facing as a global community. Uh, But today I'm really excited to finish up this series that we've been in the last five weeks called Family Matters. And I, I cannot recap those. I won't even attempt to do it because usually, when I when I think will take five minutes, takes fifteen minutes. But I'd encourage you go back, watch those first four, listen to those first four sessions on family matters to give you some context for how we're going to wrap this up. I did want to say uh, at the at the front of this, this is not this was not an exhaustive series on family. There's some amazing, amazing material out there. If I start, I can recommend some. Uh, again, I'm not going to recommend everything that I should. I'll leave things out. But I would encourage you take advantage of Danny Silk's material. It can help you at multiple levels in your family experience. Uh, uh, material that, that I recommend without hesitation is uh, Keep Your Love On. That's amazing just for navigating relationships in general. It's great for husband and wife dynamics. Uh, a book that Megan and I have thoroughly enjoyed with Raising Our Kids is Loving Your Kids On Purpose, uh, which is again a beautiful work by Danny uh, on that. And, and there's, there's there's so many other ones. There's a book, I can't remember who wrote it right now. If you look up the title, you'll probably be able to find it on Amazon. It's called King Me. Uh, and it's, again, it's talking about especially the dynamic of fathers uh, raising up their sons as kings in the earth. Uh, there's, there's, uh, my, Megan's gone through a strong-willed, the strong-willed child, the strong-willed teenager. Those are classic books. And, and I tell you what, they really do serve a purpose because um, I found the kingdom of God, there's a high percentage rate of strong-willed children. I don't know where that comes from. Uh, but uh, I, I want to encourage you, don't be intimidated by that. That is something to be nurtured and harnessed because when you point a strong will towards uh, an amazing strong directive then nothing can stop them from their pursuits in the kingdom of God and in life uh, so it's, it's all about harnessing that not not disparaging it so anyway I don't want to get off on a lot, but there's great great resources out there and I want to encourage you to take advantage of them you know one of the things that I said in our very first session in family matters and it bears repeating family is worth figuring out family is worth fighting for so whatever that means for you go for it you you can figure it out <laughs> you've got the grace to do it family's worth fighting for so in this final session uh, we're gonna kind of kind of bookend very much how we begin is how we're going to finish first session was about the God family. This final session is going to be talking about the incarnation, the heart of the father through the incarnation. So in in our, in our three sessions sandwiched in between, we looked at, um, not necessarily non-spiritual, but we looked at more of the dynamics of family and navigating relationships, husband, wife, fathers, and mothers, kids are a blessing. Uh, but now we're going to go back into looking at, uh, what, what I know is the most perfect example of a father. Uh, I, I had the privilege yesterday to, to meet with a pastor uh, in the state. I was going to say local. He's not local, about three hours away. And we got on the subject of family and fathers. And, um, you know, there's, there's this, the word epidemic, pandemic has become certainly a very relevant word in 2020, but also it's, it's uh, made me think in terms of there are other pandemics going on. Uh, that we don't address and I think it's interesting the things that humanity responds to and so in 2020 We've obviously been responding to COVID uh, But there has been and, and I believe it is a God thing. I believe that it is something that is long overdue there. There's a, a exposure to a, a human trafficking there's exposure uh, to, to the sex trafficking industry uh, there's there's exposure to pedophilia. Uh, Again, these aren't like topics that we have pleasure talking about, but they're things that should be exposed. And then something that I've been seeking—the heart of God. There, there's a pandemic of fatherlessness, right? So, so it's like humanity should have that level of concern for these issues as well. Uh, and so, it, it's rampant in the natural family. It's rampant in a, the spiritual family. And so, God, there's a reason this stuff is being exposed, uncovered, and it's time for it to be addressed, right? Because there's 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 obviously an agenda on the heart of the father. That humanity is starting to catch up with, right? And so I just want to encourage you: find your voice on those issues. Don't be afraid to speak out. You know, uh, I, I mean, with my kids, you know, I, I I talk about there are times. You know, I know I know the heart of God is forgiveness. I know the heart of God is grace. You know, it, it's it's uh, it's inexhaustible. It's unending. But then I think of someone trying to harm my kids, and then I wonder. Uh, how How real is that grace in that moment i, I don 't know it, it, it might start to you know and so there there are things again we just need to make our voice known, stand our ground, right, and then be examples you know the the greatest example I can give to my kids of how to not be taken advantage of is that i won 't take advantage of them, and so I go ahead and I make. That, that the first priority they're exposed to, right? So uh, somebody just needs to hear this. I'm not even jumping into our notes yet. Uh, but again, talking about fatherlessness, God, that is very much on his heart. And so we're going to talk about the good father. Um, he is singular uh, in, in this um, awards category. He is there. He's unrivaled. He is number one. He is the good father, no one shares this title with him. There are lots of good fathers, don't get me wrong, but we still are going to fall short, right? Because, uh, you know, as I was praying before we started this stream, I just heard the spirit just t- reminding me about how he always outdoes himself. He really is just that good. Just when you feel like you figured out just how good he is, he's like, yeah, I've got something else. You won't even believe this, you know, and then he, he's better than what I think. And so I want to jump into this John 3.16. Maybe you've never heard this verse. It's one of those obscure verses uh, in Scripture. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Can we just unpack that for a moment? I feel like you could unpack this verse every Sunday for a year. Um, so for God so loved, I get that, that he gave his only son. So there's an unspoken imperative in that moment because in the first introduction we were introduced to God, but in the second phrase there, when we talk about a son, there's only one kind of person that can have a son and that's a father, right? And so not only is he a God who loves, he's a father who loves for God so loved that he gave his only son. And we can't get into it all, it can be a very complex topic and situation, but we know that God has an intertheistic relationship with himself. It's something that we can't really wrap our minds around if we try to use our brains to do it, although each one of us live in that same capacity. Whether you want to admit it or not, we all talk to ourselves, we all agree with ourselves because we have a similar relationship. Now, we're not intertheistic, but we know what it is to have three parts and live in one creation, right? Uh, Spirit, soul, body. So God's not at the spirit, soul, body level, but he's at the Father, Son, Holy Spirit level. But within that agreement, there's a community that talks and agrees and expresses itself. It's not three separate gods. It's still God it's I know it, it can really bake your noodle if you just you can get burned out pretty quick but that's who God is. And so when we say that God gave his son, you could also say for God so loved that he gave himself. This was not a father sending his son and in sending the son there becomes distance and separation between the two. There's not. There was never distance and separation between the father and the son ever. So again, you could say for God so loved that he gave himself. And if we need some help with that, we can go back to types and shadows, all the way back to the book of Genesis, and we can look when Abraham believes God wants a sacrifice, and God says, I will provide myself a sacrifice. He didn't say, I will provide for myself, he actually is saying, I will provide myself as a sacrifice, and it manifested as a ram caught in the thicket. And Abraham discovers God never wanted anything from me. He just wanted to reveal himself to me. And he had to challenge the paradigms, the misconceptions I held about him. That's what's happening in those moments between Abraham and the father. God never wanted Isaac. God had to challenge Abraham's paradigm. He believed God was like every other Pagan God that wanted human sacrifice, and that was just not the case. And God reveals Himself in a way that has never been known until that time. I am Jehovah Jireh. I am a provider. I am a giver. For God so loved that He gave. That wasn't the first time He gave. He's been giving from day one. Come on, He he, from. You've never known a moment where God was withholding from you. I promise. There may be times you felt that way, but hey, Abraham felt like God wanted Isaac, but it wasn't true. Job felt like God gives and takes away, but it wasn't true. They still believed it. Doesn't mean it was who God was. Come on, are we okay? Listen, there's all kinds of things you believed about God that you found out later wasn't true, right? So give him some space. God has always been who he's always been. And we we finally start picking up on that in the New Testament when we're told Jesus is the exact image, the perfect representation of his Father. There's no conflict between them. Jesus is not a new revelation of God. He's the authentic revelation of God. Anything you believe about God that doesn't look like the perfect image, you have to go back and find out where you were wrong. Not where he was different, where we missed it, right? So the greatest gift ever given Jesus, the Son, God, giving himself, shows us the glory of the heart of God. God revealed himself in many ways throughout scripture. I mentioned the one with Abraham just earlier, Jehovah Jireh. But his ultimate expression was not that of God being provider, but it was that of God being father. Because again, in John 3.16, you can't talk about the greatest gift ever given unless you examine the capacity of God being father. Why, why use the verbiage he gave his son if he's not trying to point us to his fatherhood? For God so loved, the father so loved, that he gave his son, he gave himself. God desired to do much more for humanity than simply to forgive it. He wanted to show them his heart towards them as his children. So hold on for a second. This is, this can be challenging. So consider this. Again, I know this isn't Christmas, but when we talk about the incarnation, we kind of have to play around some of that, right? We have to kind of play around the entrance of of God, the entrance of Emmanuel into the space of humanity, and so consider this: What if the Magi had actually sold out baby Jesus to King Herod, and Herod found Jesus and took his life? You ever wondered about that? I mean, I know when we look at the Bible, we're like, "Oh well, you know, it happened, and thank God it happened the way it happened, and we're all good." But what if? You ever you ever played the "what if" game? What if Herod found him? The Magi were like, hey, we, we're, we don't want to have any part of this. So yeah, that, that's where he is. That star shows us where to go. And Herod went and killed Jesus. What, what do you think would have happened if, if Herod had gotten him? Well, so there's some things to consider. Would his blood still have been enough to seal the new covenant? Because again, what, what was required was just the blood of a, a perfect lamb. So, I mean... If King Herod had killed him when he was a baby, it seems like the, the blood of the innocent would have been spilled and the new covenant would have been secured, and there we go. So I I, th- I think, I want to submit, we would still be forgiven. The story wouldn't be nearly as amazing as it is, but we would have been forgiven. And think about this. It would have prevented the death of all the other male boys under two years old, assuming Herod knew he found Jesus, Right? I, I don't give Herod enough credit for that. I think he still would have just done what he planned to do because he's just trying to find them. He he was, wasn't even discriminating. Just any boy under two, go after him. That's We're, we're going to get this Jesus out of here. So, But there's a potential. It could have spared a lot of unneeded uh, sacrifice. So why is it so important that Jesus lives out the rest of his life why is it important that he dies in the manner that he did? Well, so, so number one, he was accomplishing more than just forgiving sin. And, and I get that. Uh, you know, a lot of ministries, a lot of churches, and I'm not taking away from this message, but that is the only message. Jesus died for your sin. While it's true... It's not the only reason. That's not the only thing he was coming to deal with. Because if it were, he could have, again, like he could have just been a part of the, the ones Herod was going after. And okay, he's dead. So we're forgiven. And praise God, we're, we're good. So why do more than that? Because he had more on his agenda. I say simply forgiving sin. There's nothing simple about it. But only forgiving sin was not the agenda of the day. It was part of it. It wasn't the only thing. So he was accomplishing more than just forgiveness. He became poor so we could become rich. So it's not just about forgiveness. There's other things he's doing. He took on infirmity so that we could receive healing. So again, it's, I just don't want them to be forgiven of sin. I want them to live life and live it in a way that is, is full and complete and without suffering and pain in their bodies. You've got something else going on. He took on shame so that we could take on glory. He's wanting us to have a taste of life, what life looks like in the heavenly realm, what life looks like in the kingdom of God being expressed. It is not only a forgiven life, it's an empowered life. It's not only a life of, you know, degenerate people in darkness that thank God they were thrown a lifeline called forgiveness so they could be free from sin. No, he's showing us that we are empowered families, sons and daughters, born of royalty that carry divine nature, DNA, divine nature activated. And he's trying to show us what the activated life looks like. Yes, it's a life forgiven of sin, but that is entry-level experience. Right? You, you, you don't get into the Holy of Holies except you go past the cross. So I'm not skipping over the process, but what I'm saying is so much of the church has camped their entire experience at the place of forgiveness and they don't know what they're forgiven for. They don't know what they're empowered for. They don't know, why do I need to be equipped? If the only purpose of Jesus doing this amazing work on the cross was to forgive me of sin, why am I still here? Just take me on to glory. That's because he's wanting to show us how to live. I'm thankful I'm forgiven, but I want to know what a forgiven life looks like. It's full of joy. Come on, it's full of peace. It demonstrates righteousness. Wow. So ultimately, what was so worth the high cost, I believe that it was the revelation Of the unveiling of Father God. Remember, we're told if you go back and you try to, this is my paraphrase, you try to find God in the old covenant, there's a veil still over our faces. Why? Because in the old covenant, the place of the law, you do not relate to God as Father. Not, it's not because he isn't our Father, it's because the way we try to relate to him. We we, we can't even approach him as Father, it doesn't feel right. Because the only thing we will meet time and time again are the rituals and the requirements. Religion never offers the joy of relationship. It only offers the burden of of expectations that honestly can't be met. So we're we're seeing the unveiling of the Father in the person of Jesus. Jesus. Everything we're watching Jesus do, both in his earthly ministry, in his work on the cross, we're seeing the work of a father in his son for his children. Just like when God sent Moses, think about that. Pharaoh had the same idea. Listen, all these nefarious plans that these guys have, they, they, they have no original idea. Herod was not the first one to go after two-year-old boys. Remember, Pharaoh did the same thing. There was there was rumors, okay? Okay, and, and so what they do, they put Moses, and, and you guys know the story, I can't go into it all. So the story repeats itself. When Jesus, the deliverer, there's so many parallels there. I can't go into it all. Uh, I, I love the book by Kelly Varner, uh, Moses, the master and the man-child. Every 2,000 years, God has a son, right? And so you have, you have Moses, the deliverer, right? And you see the stories are very similar. Then you have the, uh, Mos- the master, Jesus, the stories are similar. And his point was the third son, the many-membered man-child, now it's our day to be saviors and deliverers in the earth because God has now a corporate son. And we have not only the same capacity, but even greater capacity. And that's out of the mouth of Jesus. He says, you're gonna do greater works than I've done because I go to my father. You're not gonna see me anymore. But you guys, listen, where where there was one Moses and there was a singular Jesus, there's gonna be a many-membered body that represents us corporately. You guys are gonna take this thing to places that you just won't believe. Types and shadows, you know, I was thinking about that. It's hard to get excited about a shadow until you understand what the shadow is pointing you towards. I was, I was uh, chewing on this today uh, in preparation for this word, and uh, I, I was thinking of, you ever maybe seen in a movie or something where someone's out in the, the Sahara Desert? I pray I never have to go there unless it 's by choice and it 's for some i can 't imagine even what the leisurely purpose is, but to go and, and so th- let's say let's say they 've been walking the desert for twenty four hours you know what i 'm talking about, and they 're trudging along, and then you know the they, their last drop of their canteen water you know hits their tongue and you can tell it 's pointless you know, and their lips are dry and cracking and, they're, and you can tell they 're in for it right. And then when they th- all hope is lost, and then the soundtrack of the, the movie begins to offer some optimism, and what a lot of times what, they see a shadow of something. Let, let, let's just say, it's, let's say they see the shadow of a palm tree. And they go crazy. Not because of the shadow, although the shadow is cueing them in that there's something of substance on the way. If you see a shadow, there's something that's producing that shadow. And and so there, well, if there's a tree, there must be water. And that tree may have coconuts. I'm hungry and thirsty. And all of a sudden, the shadow becomes profound. Not because it has any substance, but because it's pointing you to something that has substance. And so just like things like Moses, typing a shadow, pointing us to something greater. And we get excited about the shadow. And if we're not careful, we're just loving the shadow that we're in. And we forget that there's substance that it's all pointing to, right? And so, again, every 2,000 years, God has a son. The History repeats itself, and there we have it. There's a high cost for freedom. There's a high cost for revealing the Father, God's heart, which brings us out of slavery. Again, if you want to go back and you want to look at the the side-by-side comparison, Moses come to deliver his people. We see a decree that goes out, let's stop the seed before it has a chance to deliver. They can't do it. As true as it was in the day of Moses, as true as it was in the day of Jesus, it's just as true right now. The seed cannot be stopped. The deliverer cannot be stopped. No matter how hard circumstances and situations may try. And I've got news for you guys. As much as 2020 has just, I mean, it's just it's, it hasn't been great. I'm trying to think of what word I can use that's appropriate. It just hasn't been great. It, I mean, so many of my my brothers and sisters thought, oh, doom, woe is me, persecution, this is the worst any generation's ever had. I'm like, guys, come on, seriously, come on, come on, it's not the end of the world. It, it, again, it always points back to our own egocentric view of ourselves. If something's bad, it must be the worst for us ever. No, it's it's not, All right. Because in these moments, like I said, history repeats itself, and where the, the bad has a tendency to repeat itself, so does the good. You cannot stop the seed; you can't kill the seed. I mean, if if something as I'll be frank, if something as minimal as COVID can somehow uh, knock the church off its purpose, then we're in trouble. Okay, come on, come on. So then, what's happening again? God is raising up a deliverer, and Moses is effective in his purpose, delivers the children of Israel out of bondage. Jesus, he is amazing in his purpose. We know this, 100% successful. And where Moses led out Israel, Jesus led all humanity out of captivity. And so now what's our purpose? Our purpose, unlike Jesus and Moses, we're not trying to lead people out of captivity. We're trying to point to the reality that they're already free. We model what freedom looks like. Come on, we're we're freeborn sons and daughters of Zion. Come on, I'm not trying to figure out how to be free. I'm just trying to model freedom. What does that look like? Right. I would I would suggest start right here. Show people what God looks like unveiled. Show them what He looks like. See, know I, I know. You know, during Christmas we we focus we're focused on the arrival of baby Jesus. Right. And that's great. Do that. Have fun with it. Just don't leave him there. Don't don't leave him in the manger. Okay, it's a beautiful picture. I can't go into it all, but just don't leave him there. Come on, he is. He he's in. He's at the right hand of his Father, seated in heavenly places. He's seated in the throne of your heart. Come on, there's so many seats, so many seated places, so many places of rest and peace. They all cooperate one with the other. Come on, you're seated in him. He's seated in you. Come on. It's, but don't leave in there. But So if we're not careful, we miss the revealing of the heart of God in those moments. Because when God came in the flesh for the first time in the landscape of humanity, the Father also became a son. You ever thought about that? He became a son. Now we know that that capacity within God already existed. Jesus was the lamb slain before the the world. That's what Revelation 13.8 tells us. So if you really want to get into an, a major theological study, go and study that. That the lamb was provided before humanity was created. That he a sacrifice had already been made for sin before sin had entered the equation. See, a lot of us feel like the cross is what finally was needed to deal with sin. No, the Christ is what's needed to deal with sin. The cross just seals the deal. Okay? Because, I mean, he, guys, our whole experience is book ended with God. It's, it's in the beginning, it's in your middle, it's in your end. He's all there. I was talking to, to Flora at the beginning of service, and I said, God doesn't even relate to us within the confines of time. He was with you before you were in your mother's womb. There's never been a moment in your living experience where you've had separation from God. You thought it was separation because you died to the revelation that he was on the inside of you. So it's actually an awakening. I remember that he is there. He's always been there. Yeah. Somebody needs to hear that. I'm a mess right now. Um, So God comes in the flesh. He becomes a son. This act was his way of playing loudspeakers to all peoples of the earth. Behold, the God of all creation desperately wants to know you as his kids and you to know him as your father. (laughs) Uh, He wants you to know him as your father. The same God who was silent for 400 years now speaks. And with all of his heart, he cries out, you are my children. It's hard to keep this religious facade going when people buy into the thought that he's their father and not their landlord, when he's their father and not their puppet master, when he's God, the father and not the Godfather. Oh, he's dad. We're his kids. Why do we need you Pharisees? Come on, we want relationship and you just tell us what to do. You tell us what kind of offering to make. You tell us how long to fast. You tell us how long to make our petition known. He's telling us that we're his kids. Kids don't interact with their dads that way. So here, let's take a a fresh look at some of these verses uh, of the gospel account. And then we'll see the heart of God here being revealed. uh, As clearly as we've seen, Luke 1, 28 through 35. I know it's August, but man, we're we're going to talk about some Christmas stuff. It's so good. And he came to her, the angel came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. She was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. So right at the announcement, sonship, there's a son on the way. And you will call his name Jesus. Guys, there's levels here. It's so good. You're going to bear a son. But then verse 32, he will be great and be called the son of the most high. So, yeah, he's your son, but there's there's more than he's not just your son. He's the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. Not Joseph, although Joseph will raise him as his father. Come on, there's so many things being referenced here, so many prophetic words being fulfilled, being, being, they're having life, fresh life breathed into them. So you can go back and look at these. I've got these in bold print. Luke 1, verse 32, uh, verse 31. We'll start that you'll conceive in the womb, bear a son. Continue. The Lord God will, uh, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Uh, and then at the very end, he will be called holy, the Son of God. Son, Son, Father, Son. God is communicating his heart in a way humanity has never seen before. So the heart of God in the birth of Jesus, the incarnation, let's just break down some of these. I can't take a lot of time on these. Is this okay? All right. So the first thing we see, we see attributes of a good father. Matthew chapter 2, the father protects his, protects his son from being killed by Herod. So one attribute of a good father is he protects his kids. You ever feel that? You ever had that experience where your good father, you knew he was protecting you? From the obvious, perhaps, to the subtle. You know, I I know of times where I'm like, Lord, if you weren't here, that car would have smashed me to pieces. And you can say what you want. You can can take that casually if you want, but I'm quick. Lord, thank you for your protection. Come on, I'm one of your kids. I'm going to make a demand on that. Right? P- protects us in decisions that we make. You know, I-, I love the disciples. We did what seemed right to us and the Holy Spirit. There are also times where the Holy Spirit restrained them from going places they wanted to go. He's protecting them, He offers the same protection to us. And then, at Matthew chapter 2, the Father provides for His Son. You're taking notes. Number one, fathers protect their kids. Number two, they provide for their kids. And man, this is a message the American church needs to hear. I don't want to get on a soapbox, but I will for just one second. A lot of fathers believe it's the manifest destiny of their sons to provide for them. That is not a good, healthy relationship. Fathers provide for their kids, not their kids providing for them. And and, and a lot of that is connected to the... The business end of what the church has become, you know Pop Varner used to call it rent a father he said you know if you 're in a rent a father system, get out quick. The only reason you have relationship with your dad is because you pay him your dues that 's not a healthy relationship you got to have access to your father okay so the father it is his privilege to serve now that being said you know our our our, our um Session before this on kids are a blessing. That doesn't, I mean, yes, there are times where kids bless their parents, but that's not why the parents have kids. Bless me, serve me, help me build my dynasty, help me build my kingdom. No, we're not gonna do that. That, that model is on life support. We're trying to get it off of life support. We want it to be stone cold dead so we can move almost authentic expression, Amen the family of God the well adjusted not the maladjusted the well adjusted family of God so the father provides for his son and how does he do it he sends kings and i want to preach all this i don't have time to do it he sends kings from the east when when a father provides he outdoes himself I, I get it. I've got Christmas books at my house. I've got a, one of my favorite uh, decorations for Christmas growing up was my dad has one of those big Fontanini nativity scenes with about 50 different characters. And I love setting each one of them up to where they could all face you know, Jesus in the manger. <clears throat> and there's the three kings. I don't know where we got that from. There's, there's no mention of how many came. But you guys, listen, we, we have to think this through. When kings travel, they don't go solo. Come on. They have an entourage. I mean, just going... You guys remember when the Queen of Sheba went to visit Solomon? It says that the caravan that came with her was unlike any caravan that had gone before. And the only real mention is of her. Why? Because you don't have to mention the caravan. There's an assumption. When royalty is on the move... There's a caravan with them. So we're not told how many kings. We're just told kings from the east. Could have been three. Could have been five. Could have been 50. We don't know. But they're traveling with their entourage. They're traveling with their camels, their livestock, their servants, their maid servants, their manservants. servants. We... <laughs> and then in our, our pictures, they have their, their boxes. Here's my gold. They Get that little hinge open. There's two little chunks in there and we're like man whoo that's 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 not what i envision okay uh there's some debate around it all but a lot of the proof of the gifts that were brought and I, i firmly believe this was enough to fund jesus entire earthly ministry the trade that he worked in was the trade of his father which was not uncommon So so he still knew how to humble himself, although he was very much taken care of. His inheritance was enough that he didn't have to work, but he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. And that's not just suffering to the cross. It's also learning how to suffer and be obedient to your parents. I know nobody wants to hear that right now. But the God man, you know, you guys have heard me talk about it, making bookcases and tables. It doesn't make sense, (laughs) but he's submitting, right? Right? Man, I want to talk about that. How much was he provided for? We never stop to think that Jesus had a CPA as one of his disciples. And Jesus was his only client because once he had an encounter with him, he says, Leave your profession and come with me. Right? That that's pretty wild. And so we always play the poor Jesus card because we're like, yeah, well, he didn't have any money. It's obvious because when it's time to pay taxes, he, he made them go fishing for it. I said, no, what he's trying to communicate is he will not use his inheritance to pay for what the government of man demands of him. In other words, this, this inheritance is for me. If government wants something from me, the fish can spit that up for them. Just go go find a fish and that, that can pay the taxes. Come on. I mean, guys... Roman soldiers were rolling dice for his robes. Poor Jesus, I don't think so. Somebody needs to hear this. Somebody on Facebook needs to hear this. It says his garment was without seam. It was like the Versace of his day. Listen, garments without seam today are amazingly expensive because it takes too much time and effort to to create them, manufacture them. It is much easier to create separate pieces of fabric and then sew them together. That's not how Jesus rolled. Okay, so, all right, so. <laughs> uh, he had enough to fund his earthly ministry, and then a side note, and then we got to move on. And, and they weren't there in the manger. More than likely, it was around two years old when they finally found him, and that actually speaks to the profound miracle of the star that guided them. It didn't just show up one night and they got a train from the Far East to Israel. No, they followed it for years. Years till so they finally found him. Number three, we got to move here. The father ensures his son is cared for and loved by his parents. So God, God comes, he, he sends his son, he, he delivers himself to humanity, but he also makes sure he's taken care of by Mary and Joseph. Not just provided for financially, taken care of, mentored right? Learns how to to grow up and become a well-adjusted young man. I know we don't think about Jesus like that. Nobody ever thinks about teenage Jesus. (laughs) Oh man, you guys. Okay. Then I love this. Number four, the father approves of his son. Matthew 3, 17, some of my favorite verses to preach about. It goes right back to righteous identity. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hasn't done anything to earn his approval. And guys, if Jesus didn't have to earn his approval, we don't have to earn it either. Just being a son and a daughter is more than enough. It's the only thing that matters. It's the only thing that God's looking at. That's my son. I'm pleased. If you don't do another thing today, if you don't do anything that that's on point. If you don't do anything to I'm pleased, you're my beloved son. So let's recap four points. There's one more point. So the father protects his son. Let's say it this way: the fathers, good fathers protect their kids, and he's a good father. Good fathers provide for their kids, and he's a good father. Good fathers ensure that their kids are cared for. There's a couple ways he does that, and it still it still goes on today. When we're good parents, that's God using us to provide and care for our kids. And then there's spiritual parents too, fivefold graces, leaders that can continue to pour into, to care for us, to make sure that we're doing good. Good fathers approve of their kids. Yesterday in a conversation I had with a pastor, he said, I have found more and more that my job is less preaching the gospel and just telling people that I'm proud of them. He's in his 30s pastoring. He said, said, I had a man a few weeks ago in his 50s asked me to be his father. And he told me, he said, I want to be your kid just because of the way you treat your kids. My dad never treated me that way. He said, some people just need to hear that you're proud of them. He said, "That'll, that'll, that'll preach to them more than any message you can minister because they've never been told by someone that they received that they were proud of them. I remember that. The father approves of the son, then finally, a man, this is so good. Point number five. A good father never leaves his son. Good father never leaves his kids. Got a few verses on this one. John ten thirty. I and my father are one. Can't get away from your dad if you're the same person. <laughs> Can't get how do you get away from the air in your lungs? How do, you, how do you run from the blood in your veins? You can't. You can't. John 16, 32. You, my disciples, will leave me all alone. Yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. <laughs> and then 2 Corinthians five nineteen. Beautiful, cosmic, amazing mystery, but it's been revealed to us. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sin against them. That has to be... I've I, I got to close this. That has to be... There's more, but I just can't do it. I can't go there right now. That, that is the Easter story. It is not, it is not a holy God destroying his righteous son because he was mad at us and needed someone to take our place. That unholy, punitive view of the work of the cross is ungodly. Ungodly how? It doesn't reflect his nature. Therefore, it's ungodly. He was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. He was not being forsaken. And, and I get it, and you guys... I, I, man, I just want to teach it right now. When he said, my father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's not Jesus confessing that his father forsook him. It's Jesus referencing the psalm that starts the exact same way and it's a messianic psalm of what's being accomplished on the cross. Because... It can't be true that his father forsook him and it can't be true if what I just read is also true that God never left him and was reconciling the world, was in him, reconciling the world to himself. You can't be in somebody and away from somebody. It it doesn't work. Come on, guys. We're smart. We know how this works. Good fathers never leave their kids. You know, I'm reminded of Paul. Paul. And I can't, the, the name right now escapes me. It was, it was a son that he was mentoring in the faith. Maybe one of you guys remember it. And he talks about how he would keep him in his heart. So there was a time where they weren't laboring together. And he, and he, and he basically told them, he said, I, I, I won't let him go, I'm going to keep him in my heart. So even in that, so we talk about relationship dynamics, we talk about mentoring, we talk about spiritual dynamics. There are times indeed where it can appear that kids and fathers part ways. But you cannot stop a father from keeping his kids in his heart, no matter what they do. Think about the parable of the prodigal son. You, you can't stop the father from longing for his kids. You can't. I was I was listening to a minister today talk about that. we gotta, we got to finish up, we've got to close. I was listening to a minister talk about that today. Man, you cannot... Plummet the depths of the beauty of that parable of the of the, the prodigal son. It, it's, it's scandalous. It, I mean, it actually is a picture of grace. You know, it's amazing. the 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 good son is the son that ends up being corrected. That's that's grace right there. It's offensive. The one that runs away is celebrated when he comes back. Not celebrated because he ran away, but celebrated because he returned. Don't get it. Don't get it twisted. But then he made the point. He said, "Don't forget." You can also find Jesus in the calf that was slain. Come on. He said both sons ended up coming to the same party when it was said and done. Why? Because the calf was slain. The fatted calf. I was like, man, you find Jesus all over that. He's the father waiting for the son. He's, he's the, I mean, take advantage of him. He still loves you. Consider him dead and gone. That's, and you guys know that. The, the prodigal son, when he said, I want my inheritance, he basically was saying, you're basically as good as dead to me. I want what's mine. The father didn't argue with him. The father didn't challenge him. He gave him what he requested and let him go. See, a lot of us, we, man, how do we land this? We, a component that I, it wasn't intentional that I left out. We talk about discipline because that's very much, a, I know, a family dynamic and how do we discipline well and all those things. And I thought like, a lot of times we miss it. We miss, we miss it. Because even the prodigal son, there have been times I've been asked, well, well, well you know, how does that work? Are you saying there's no consequence? Is there, is there no discipline? Because the father just accepts that son and throws a party for him and doesn't, doesn't confront him or anything. Well, confront him about what? He, he confronted himself. Remember? He went, spent all that he had, found himself in squalor, and it says he came to himself. The discipline he endured was the consequences of his own actions. And unfortunately, in a lot of our church environments, we have people that are returning from the chaos of their consequence, and then we still want to discipline them. Why? Because we want to make sure that we get our say in what the process of restoration looks like. And and I believe a lot of times, I'll just say Matthew, A lot of times Matthew has missed it because my role in their discipline was celebrating their return. Are you hearing me? That my role in their discipline was, I should have just thrown a party. But because I needed to assert myself and make sure they knew. I mean, you do know what you did was wrong. All it does is create a new path for them to run away on. I want to be like that dad, always ready. Hey guys, keep a fatted calf on reserve. Keep them on reserve because any moment now we're going to be throwing a party, you know, or pig whatever you want. We can have a pig if you want to. We're, we're better covenant. You know, poor the, get, get get a luau going, guys. Get the fires the flame, Get it all. Let's do this thing. We're going to celebrate. The sun has come home. The sun has come home. And then even those that stayed and did it all right, they're still going to have to find their place at the same party table. Sometimes it's a little harder for those that do it right. Remember that? Hey, Dad, I did everything you asked. Well, yeah. And you do realize this was all yours. You could have had a party at any time. Why are you upset with me? I mean, all that I have is yours. <laughs> Ah. isn't he a good father Lord I just thank you for ah, just the good dad that you are for helping us navigate these last several weeks just some, some, some ways uh, for how it looks to navigate family to be family I feel like when it's all said and done we can, we can discover so much just by looking to the pattern looking to the good father there's there's great resources available and, and lord i pray and i encourage those watching and listening take advantage of it Families worth fighting for families worth figuring out but there are some moments i just want to tell you you have to put your reference guide away and you're going to have to just dive into the heart of the father because there are some things the father has modeled for you that have not yet been written and he just wants you to duplicate what you've experienced good father he's a good father He's protected us. (laughs) He's provided for us. He has ensured that we're taken care of. He approves of us. You need to hear that. Can you hear that right now by by the voice of the Lord? I pray right now you can hear, hear by the Spirit the voice of your beloved saying, I approve of you, son. And then finally, never leave you. Never, never. You can run as fast, as hard as you like. And I'm right there with you. Never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Never, never. Not an option. Lord we just thank you for that. You're a good father. It's a privilege to be your kids. It's a privilege and I just want to encourage you go ahead take this assignment for what it is and show people what your dad looks like. I didn't say tell them although you can but the actions always speak louder than Show them what it looks like to be an approved son, an approved daughter, freeborn in Zion. Well we just thank you for that privilege. I decree these things now by the strong and mighty name of Jesus.